When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back. This is episode 176, Time Management for Junior Developers. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we'll be talking to you about obviously time management for junior developers going over things like balancing all the things that junior devs have to do and other devs have to do too like learning applying for jobs and balancing all that crap we'll also be touching on some sort of key areas out of there such as managing your learning time so the time you spend specifically learning new skills or practicing those skills and then of course managing your job application time because as we've discussed in a previous episode it's rather time consuming it's quite a large procedure sometimes and so it can get in the way and be rather annoying so we're here to help hopefully so if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show you can go check us out on that patreon leave a review or rating on your podcast app join us in our discord server share this with your friends and this is actually a me heavy episode i wrote this one so we're going to jump right into our first section which is balancing and this is specifically for time management slash balancing slash learning or sorry learning excuse me balancing your learning uh so you're learning new skills, you're learning Svelte, you're learning HTML, you're learning this and that, whatever it is, uh, as on top of the fact that you're more than likely trying to figure out where you should be applying for a job. And there's a much more, maybe you're in school, maybe you're trying to build some sort of project to have for your portfolio. There's a lot of things that are on a junior developer's uh, sort of schedule and on other developers schedule as well. You know, if you think about it, if you're a senior developer and you get laid off, or if you're a senior developer and you want to move on to another job and your job that you're interested in, if you have something specific in mind, requires a skill that you don't have, you're kind of back in the junior developer's shoes where you got to spend some time learning and then you're balancing your current job with trying to figure out how to apply to that new one and learning the new skills. So, you know, this is tailored toward junior developers, this whole episode sort of is, but this is so, there's still some valuable tidbits in here because you're not always just at the peak of your game unless you somehow find a career in which you just stay there forever. But without without further ado, there are a lot of things on a junior developer's plate, like I said, such as learning new skills, applying for jobs, building up portfolio pieces, and doing some self-exposure, such as influencer stuff, you know, tweeting or writing on your blog or whatever for your portfolio, whatever. Maybe you're working and it might not even be at a dev job yet, so you're not getting even some skills while you're working. And then also making passion projects. Maybe you became a dev for that reason, that you wanted to build a specific project and the list goes on. And while there's almost a sense of FOMO, so that's fear of missing out, if you don't complete a large collection of these concerns, so if you're like, man, I, I have to do all these things. I have to be building my portfolio. You know, I got to be applying. Oh, I didn't get that new skill. I'm not quite where I want to be in Svelte. This will divide your focus inevitably, and this divided focus will cause almost always the quality of each of these tasks or each of these pieces of the puzzle to falter, and that's 
also just straight up ignoring the fact that you're probably going to cause it, cause yourself a whole bunch of stress and maybe you might even become extremely anxious. So your quality of work is probably going to drop. Even your applications, you don't think of that as work, but your applications might become sloppier if you just don't put the time in. But then you're also going to be stressing out like, oh my God, I got to do this now. Oh my God, I did this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Now I haven't slept because I have to go to work the next day. Now I'm tired and freaking out, but then I still need to, you know, grind the next day. And it just like, you know, kind of got to, got to calm it down a bit. You know, it, it is it is important that you do keep on top of things. It's it's very important that you try to you try to do everything, but you can't actually do everything. The reality is that you just can't do everything at once. It's just not going to fly. So I have a set of tips here to sort of tackle large lists of tasks without overwhelming yourself. This is going to be applied to more than just junior devs, but like I said, it's tailored toward them. So something like the first one here, determine your task priority. So if you don't need to apply yet, so for a job, if you don't need to apply yet, then maybe you should be focusing on skill building or maybe put together your portfolio ideas so you're ready to apply later. There's different, there's, excuse me, there's different, there's different, uh, ways to do priority lists. So for example, you could do stuff like, Hey, uh, I need to do X cause I need to pay the rent. So maybe you should do that. Hey, I need the internet. <laughs> So I need to do X so I can make sure I have enough money to pay the internet payment so I can continue to work. Those are ways to like money is a way to determine some priority, but there's also just straight up task priority. And this is often based on preference or based on goals. So you might say, Hey, I've been learning forever and I just feel like as if I'm, I'm, I'm maxed out. I'm maxed out on learning myself. I think I need to apply to a junior dev job then that might be your particular priority. Or you might say, you know what? I tried this dev thing out and I don't mind it for myself, but I couldn't see myself working in an office. Maybe I should be embedding myself in a community or just running it solo and doing a passion project. So there's different ways to do, you know, sort of task priority. There's very real world ways, such as the money, like I said, but there's also preference ways and goal driven ways. If you're there, if you're there, so another example of a goal driven way, if you're there for, just the money, you might say, and we'll touch on a little bit of this later, you might say, you know what, I'm going to go for the highest paying jobs on average in my area in this job board. And they all have the requirement for Svelte and you know, not, you, you know, zero Svelte. Then your priority based on your goal is, hey, maybe I should just be learning Svelte right now. And I'm not just going to start applying to stuff because I'm probably going to get rejected because I don't have Svelte. Maybe that's it. So this is a very uh, sort of... Like, it's hard to prioritize. No one's perfect at it. We're not perfect at it. But there does need to be some priority put in place. And this also applies for when you're in the job as well. You don't want to be pushing a client who says, you know, I need my website updated for my Boxing Day sale, which is December 26th here in Canada, my Boxing Day sale. And then you push it back to December 29th. You know, that isn't going to fly. So there's, again, there's preference, there's preferential uh, ways to, to task, do task priority. There's real world things like money and, and very specific deadlines like the, like the Boxing Day sale. And there's no way to make this perfect, but sometimes it's just obvious what should be prioritized. But you should always, especially if there's a lot of stuff on your list, be prioritizing always because otherwise you might spend a whole day on something that could be done on December you know, 10th. You know, two, three, four weeks, depending on where you are on the calendar, two, three, four weeks down the road, and it only took you that day when you have that Boxing Day sale thing coming up in like three days. So you don't want to be wasting that time. 
the next one on the list here is, you know, make an, and this is a bit of a weird one, but make an if I skip list or consideration. So maybe list is probably the wrong word. What I mean by this, I'll explain it because this isn't sort of a standard piece of advice is it's similar to priorities, but more tailored at skipping tasks that you need to get done, but you just might not get to. So, for example, if your dream job wants to have a call with you tomorrow and you expect the call to go on for an hour and then you plan on attending a class, both of these things are very sort of fixed and you for sure want to get them done. You want to show up to your class and you also want to do this dream job call. But you know that the call you know, may go overtime. You're sort of assuming the time. You kind of need to weigh the consequences of skipping the interview or skipping that call versus skipping the class. And you need to sort of make a list of things, whether it's in your head or make a list on paper, whatever works best for you to determine what happens if you skip X. So both of these tasks are on your for sure list. But if I have to skip this call, what's the consequences? Am I ever going to get a chance at my dream job again? Are these people willing to reschedule? Are they very strict and they hate rescheduling? You know, what, what, what weigh the different options? Can I get another, um, or excuse me, can I, read the notes from the class online. If I have to skip the class, can I read the notes online? Are they always posted? Is this a is this a class in which some marks are going to be given? So is there a project due? Do I need to be present for a test? You have to sort of weigh it and then you can determine things. Like you can tell, you can say, okay, you know what? I need to do both for sure because there's a test that day, but I'm not going to skip the call. The consequences are too great on both sides. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them, Hey, I have a strict cutoff. I have a midterm or I have a project or whatever do. So you can tell them that right away on the call, but maybe it's just a regular class day, or maybe it's even just a working session. And the notes, if any, will just be online. Then you can say, okay, you know, I'll do a nice relaxed call with my dream job. I'll do that interview, do that call. And I'll basically not be forced to get off the call. I won't be anxious about constantly checking the time, checking the time, checking the time. I'm just going to be ready to go over time and I'm ready to skip the class and I know what to do after. I know to refer to the notes online or whatever it is. This type of situation obviously sucks, but like it will happen. And there's been times where I've had exams scheduled over work. Well, I wasn't planning on working at my part-time job that I was doing in college throughout my life, but I was planning on, you know, sort of graduating college. So I just straight up called them and said, Hey, I'm not going to be there. This midterm, this test, this is this assignment, whatever it was, has been moved. The deadline has been moved. So I'm going to do that. And sorry, I can't show up. And they were understanding and everything like that. But even if I were to get fired again, this is an if I skip. The worst case scenario is I get fired. It's sort of like, yeah, that sucks on my job record, I suppose. For other part-time jobs, they might say, hey, you know, you didn't show up or this and that. But I listed my options. I said, you know what? I'm not just going to not show up. I'm going to call them. I'm going to let them know this is the reality. And I, the consequences are too great for me to skip my midterm or my, or my uh, assignment handing in or whatever. So I'm going to do that. The next one on the list here is don't always shoot for the most productive task. So it may make sense to always go for the task that will push you the furthest towards your goal in the shortest amount of time. So you're min-maxing your time, right? But these tasks can take their toll if they aren't your favorite part of the process. 
If you're feeling burnt out from always min-maxing your productivity, maybe try doing a task that you find fun or will raise your confidence and ignore how productive it is overall. So obviously, if you're a person that really, really gets into numbers and you're like, you know what, uh, you know, the average web developer learns their stuff, making up a number, learns all they need to know in a year, uh, which is not true, but it, let's just say that that number exists and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to min-max my time and I'm going to do it in eight months or I'm going to do it in six months. Uh, that's great. And some people can really do that. Some people can min max and act very effectively, but some people just can't. And you can really, really, uh, hurt yourself in, in the long term. You might start resenting your work. You might start getting really burnt out and you might start being like, man, like I have been trying to learn Svelte by reading the documentation for like 10 hours today. And I am just losing my mind. I really want to build something, but I know that building something isn't going to get me as close to my goal as it would in the same amount of time. The thing is, is that you taking some time and maybe working on your passion project or submitting something to an open source project or whatever it is that's going to get your confidence up or just doing an easy task is it may just rejuvenate you and then actually make your next reading session that much more productive because you're not resenting it. You're less, less likely to procrastinate away from it. So you're not going to be like, I'll read later. I'll read later. I'll read later. Sometimes min-maxing just isn't the way we're all human. We're not min-maxing. We're not machines. So min-maxing is not always the way to go. And this one, this next point is kind of right in the same vein and that's take breaks and days off. So sometimes you have to push through tough times. You're not going to sugarcoat that. Sometimes you have to push through tough times in order to reach a deadline or a specific goal. Like, oh, I have to really, really study for this. There's an exam coming up, of course, right? But always running yourself in the red like a car, right? Always revving into the red can can really just cause you to burn out. You can have a loss of passion. You may even, like I said, hatred or resentment towards your work. And that's just going to kind of just, that can potentially just really destroy your career before it even gets started. So Sometimes you just need a day off. Sometimes you need an afternoon off. Sometimes you need to do something easier, like I said in the previous, in the previous example. And sometimes this is weird, but sometimes you have to force yourself to actually take a break and take a, take time off. You might be like, man, I just don't know what to do. And you're scrambling and you're freaking out. And there's no necessarily a deadline, but you're trying, you're just being super hard on yourself. Maybe it's time just to take an afternoon or take a day off and say, okay, I'm going to take this day off and we'll see, like we'll regroup the next day or I'll take this weekend off and we'll regroup on Monday. And sometimes you need to force yourself to do that because the, the, the tendency for some people to run themselves into the red at all times because they're looking at the numbers of how productive they're, they're being at all times sometimes just doesn't work for people. And overall, your productivity, let's say if there was some sort of metric where you could say your productivity per hour, if you're constantly running yourself in the red and you burn out, but you're like, no, I'm going to keep forcing it, your productivity per hour might drop to like a really low rate, but you feel like you're being productive because you're obviously still working at all times, whereas you could have just taken two days off and then gained so much more product- productivity per hour by actually being rested and being like okay <laughs> be or be like feeling okay is what i meant to say and also the last one uh is don't force a perfect plan so you may have an ideal plan where you say you're going to learn react and then you're going to learn tailwind css and then you're going to learn svelte but and then, and then like right after that you want to get a job and you you know whatever yada yada and then you want to start building out a portfolio project and you have this sort of laid out plan where you're like i'm going to do this then this then this then this then this but Let's just say you find yourself over budget. So let's say you quit your job and you went to traditional school and you only learned React. That's all. That's as far as you've gotten. You went to a boot camp or something. You only learn React for whatever reason. 
And then you're like, man, like I'm out of money. Like, I don't know what to do here. Like, I want to do those extra steps, the tailwind, the svelte, the, the portfolio project, find the dream job, this and this. Don't be super rigid with that plan. Sometimes you just have to be flexible. And so in this case, you might be able to take a junior React job in this, like, again, in this particular example. And so be flexible enough to kind of twist that plan and move it around and be like, you know what? Like, I'll... I'll look for a React job now. I still have like a month's worth of expenses. Maybe I'll look for a React job now and I won't just be super rigid with my plan. I'll keep enacting my plan as best as I can. But this happens to everyone. Uh, when we were in school, we didn't think we'd end up in web development. We thought we'd end up in IT. It's just a like everything kind of gets like messed up. And so what, especially when you're in that beginning stage where everything seems so templated. You know, you watch a YouTuber and the YouTuber says, this is how you learn web development and you're trying to follow that template. That template was designed from their path more than likely, but their path was probably messy. And your path is more than likely, not always, but more than likely going to be messy as well. So my advice in this particular case is to just don't force yourself to do that perfect plan. If you need to apply in this particular example, then go and apply. Don't be like, no, that's step six. Like, I can't do step six right now. Like I have to like, no, of course, like you're going to go broke and you know, go and go and apply. You have a bunch of react skills from your boot camp. Go and go and apply and actually be flexible with your plan. Yeah, I, I think you covered everything really well. And I, one thing I like about this kind of talking about productivity and talking about time management is we're not giving you here's 10 steps to get you to your goal. You know what I mean? This isn't about that. And time management, in my opinion, isn't about that. Because first of all, those 10 steps to get you to your goal, those typical clickbaity articles, they're designed by someone that maybe tried those steps once, maybe did them for a couple months and they worked. And that for that person, maybe they do work. But for the overwhelming majority, everything is different. The entire landscape of their time management of their productivity is completely different than the person beside them. And I think trying to pigeonhole yourself into one particular metric of how I'm going to manage my time is going to be a detriment in the end to you just figuring out the general concepts of time management and the general concepts of getting stuff done, right? One really interesting thing, I'm reading this book in this like kind of hits home for me really hard. It's called 4,000 Weeks. And it puts us, it's essentially about time management. It's about the whole concept of uh, productivity. But it puts it into very real circumstances where like an average lifespan is 4,000 weeks. So every day you're kind of eating into it, every week you're eating into it. But it's not about like maximizing your productivity. It's really about maximizing your time as well. Outside of just being, you know, a cog in the machine or, or working, you have to balance everything and you need to take away that concept of like always adding stuff to your to-do list and always trying to be more productive and rather focus on larger, larger goals and concepts. And, and Matt really broke it down really well, like when he's talking about the, the make if an if I skip list, right? Having that, having that balanced for yourself that, hey, maybe I don't need to do this thing. And why do I need to do it? Ask yourself why you need to do these tasks today and really focus on the tasks that you need to do rather than the tasks that make you more productive, if, if that makes sense. And it's really difficult to have that make perfect sense. But if you're going through this, if you're going through that slog of 
having 10 tasks on your to-do list on every day, crossing off three and then being pissed at yourself for the rest of the day that you didn't cross off seven to the point where you can't even enjoy your time off because you're thinking about those seven tasks, you fall under this group of people and I, myself included where we're just task or like we're just trying to maximize our days too much. Like we're trying to do too much and we don't know ourselves well enough. Your goal should be figure out yourself, figure out time management period for yourself, not complete X amount of tasks in that day. Because you know what will happen if you eventually do complete your 10 tasks, you're going to add 12 the next day because you're going to be like, well, how do I be more productive? And how do I be more productive until the point where you're just constantly, you're just chasing for some reason for what, like, it's a psychological thing. You're chasing the ultimate productivity like thing, but you're, what you're losing is a regular day. You're losing your life. So it's really not about being stupidly productive every single second of your day. It's not about that. It's about focusing on the right things and using your time wisely with the rest of your day. Like my goal, I'll be blatantly honest right now. Right now I'm working way too much. I'm probably working 10, 12 hour days because I suck at this. I'm bad at the time management and the task priority and stuff like that. I'm putting too much on my plate and I'm trying to reorganize myself currently to not do that. My goal is, and I think it's very achievable with what I've been doing, is to cut that 10, 12-hour day down to four to six productive hours and the rest of the day to not do those work tasks to do other things. Like obviously not just, you know, gaming and stuff like that. I'll be doing some other stuff that can you know, exercise and eating healthy and and then some hobbies and some gaming as well. But I want to stop this psychological burden of constantly trying to achieve more than the, than the day previous and more than the day previous. I think if we can just focus, if we can fix our focus and fix our current, like the current problems at hand, that will benefit us much greater than trying to complete a to-do list. I do have one small like critique actually of your plan. Uh, and, and, and it's not necessarily a critique. It's more of like a societal thing is when you, when you like sort of hesitate and you said, Oh, I'm not just going to be doing hobbies. I actually really hate that societal norm. If that's a thing, like I hate when people are like, Hey, like I completed my work for the day. And then, you know, like when you're like playing a game or something, or you're doing something for fun and you're like, yeah, like I have like 200 hours in this game or whatever. And people are like, Whoa, man, like waste of time or whatever. I always want to ask those people like, okay, well, what would you, what would you say to be doing? And they'll be like, Oh, I was like working out and this and that go ahead and do that, man. But like, I spent my time doing this. Like I hate, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like the societal norm of being like, well, I didn't just, I didn't just watch a movie. It's like, if a movie's so bad, then maybe we shouldn't be watching them. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like the, 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 um, the societal norm is sort of like the path of most resistance gets the most like praise or something. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's like a quotable thing, but, or like a real thing, but it, it seems to be like, if I told you like, man, I've just been like working out all day and, you know, really hitting it hard, whatever, to the point of even like necessarily hurting myself, a lot of people wouldn't bat an eye at that. They'd be like, oh, okay, cool. But then if I told you like, yeah, you know, I took a break today and I was messing around on, on an Oculus Rift and then I was you know, playing some Spider-Man on my PlayStation or whatever, people would be like, oh, like, what are you doing? Like, what do you mean you're doing all that? 
And I really, I really hate that. Like I remember some, some of my friends one time saying that they, they, they're home all day and they're bored and they, they really want to play PlayStation, but they won't because, you know, they feel bad. They feel guilty. And it's like, well, if like my motto with this type of stuff has always been like, if you're worried about what the Joneses are doing, cause it's sort of like, it's almost like guilt because you're worried about productivity. But a lot of time it's like, you're worried about what your peers would say. And my thing is always like, you know, if you're worried about what the Joneses are saying, or if you're worried about what the Joneses think, then ask the Joneses what, what you should be doing and then just do that. Because why are you guessing what they'd like? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you that like you shouldn't worry about what other people think because most of the time, and I, I'm going to say like over 90%, maybe even 95%, the people that say that are themselves kind of projecting their own thing on you where like they maybe do too much social media, like they'll go through TikTok for three hours a day. And then they tell you like, oh my God, I can't believe you're playing games for three hours a day. Most of the time it's self-projection as far as I can tell. A lot of the time people, when they say like, oh, I'm pl- I'm gaming too much, I ask them what they do and they watch TV shows and I'm like, there's no yeah, difference, like- potentially even worse. <laughs> like if I watch a TV show, I'm not, I'm just literally shutting my mind down. Whereas if I game, I'm actually like using my mind. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it that kind of stuff definitely frustrates me. I was more saying that um, I think there's I think there's still room in the day to do other things like you know ho- like not only hobbies but like you know chores around the house and build something or you know what I mean like just there's there's room for just everything else rather than if you're working that twelve hour or fourteen hour day when you only have room for that work and then maybe a hobby that's what I was saying more than judging people that game too much or watch TV too much. Like, I don't really care what you do in that off time, but if you have more time, you can fit more things into it. That's all I was saying. Yeah. Like, I'm not necessarily like critiquing you in particular. I just, I don't like the societal norm of being like, well, no, I was, I was working out. It's like, if you're making an excuse for it, man, like, you know, it's just sort of like, not you in particular. I'm saying the societal norm. It's like, no, no, I was like running around. Like, no, I was just working. The weird, the weird thing is, is if, if you were to tell some, and this is like a, a generalization, this isn't everyone. Uh, and it's probably kind of changing now a bit, but if you were to tell people like, yeah, I just work like a good old 20 hour shift. Uh, I would say you would get less critique on that. But if you were like, yeah, I was, uh, you know, playing Spider-Man for 20 hours, we would be like, what are you doing? Like, Come on, like do this, do that, like run around and do this thing. And it's like, what the hell's going on here? Like, you know what I mean? It's sort of like I should probably shouldn't be working for 20 hours straight either. You know, <laughs> like sitting down for 20 hours playing, playing a game probably isn't the healthiest thing in the world, but probably working for 20 hours straight isn't the greatest thing for me either. Correct. That's what I mean. And, and I, I, that's what I'm trying to say more than anything is that people that praise themselves for working 12 to 14 hours a day. First of all, you're not productive for 12 or 14 hours a day. It's just like, I mean, if you are, then you're a superhero human or you're, you're, you know, there's, there's something wrong with you. Like it's, there's something, it's not a normal thing to be productive for 12 to 14 hours a day. So 99% sure that during those 14 hours, you're probably dicking around for at least half of it or something like that. You're not doing enough in that half of it. So why not learn how to focus and learn how to optimize and not care about that 14 hour metric. And so many people are so arrogant, like not arrogant, sorry, but so many people are so adamant about telling you, Hey, I worked 14 hours today as a gloat, but really you should be saying that as like a more of a complaint and more of a thing that you're trying to fix, not something that you're like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing the hustle culture. 
that's how I say it. I, when I say I work 12 hours a day, I'm not gloating. I'm actually saying that I'm dumb. I shouldn't be doing that. And I'm very actively trying to fix that to lower it to a very, very small report, very small portion of that while still maintaining that same exact, maybe even more productivity because I'm trying to fix the root problem. I'm trying to do exactly what you're doing in this uh, episode by giving tips. I'm trying to use different systems to try to figure out how to better optimize four to six hours of my day to not have to do the stupid, like pretend that I'm working 12 hours because I'm not like realistically, I'm not working for those 12 hours. It's just not happening. I have like, you know, I I look at Twitter for randomly and then I'll go off on a tangent here and I'll go off on a tangent there and then I'll get a, a good hour or two of deep work in and then I'll do stupid tangents after that. That's just the reality of my work day. And I'm trying to fix it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. It's, it, you know, it's not an easy thing to fix either. And it's, uh, and it's one thing too, to be like, yeah, I'm just doing the hustle culture and I'm like beating myself up. But it's another thing to say, if you're, if you live and breathe, whatever the heck it is that you do and you do it for 12 hours a day, most of those people don't gloat that they were doing that all day. They'll gloat about their like accomplishments. If we were like super, super passionate about, I don't know, building the iPhone, which is a crazy thing, but building the iPhone, we would be showing people our iPhone that we made. We wouldn't be showing people we wouldn't be telling people this took 9000 hours, you know, it wouldn't be like that. It would be more like here's my accomplishment and it's not necessarily unhealthy depending on how it was treated. Not necessarily unhealthy if I did that all day and night cuz that's all I wanted to do anyway. It was like a hobby, but it was also a career, it was this and that. But again, it kind of goes back to that argument of not everyone is a developer or a web developer outside of being like in a job. Sometimes they're a skier or whatever, and it like there. Some people need a break. Some people need this. Some people need that. And it's you know it's different for everyone. And so I want to. I actually have at the end of this episode, which is like now been answered. Um, I was going to ask you if you had implemented your six hour plan because I remember the episode that inspired this one. We talked about that, and you said you were going to you know, report back. So I, I I'll ask that again. Hopefully, if I remember in a future in a future podcast to see if your six hour plan, or maybe there'll even be an episode on it, six hour plan, four hour plan, whatever is uh, working and how that's going. Yeah. The, the realistic answer to that um, is it's going to take a while for me to get to that point. I'm, I've implemented, what I have done is I've implemented starting that plan. I've implemented learning the techniques of focus. I've implemented learning the techniques of proper, not task management, but task, like accomplishing tasks properly and stuff like that. I've implemented that part, but I feel like I'm so far back in what I'm doing that it's probably going to take me months to get to the point where I want to be at. I, maybe, maybe I think years. you should like, well, I was going to say something is, do you, this is like not, not completely off topic, but do you find yourself? So with the focus wandering, do you find yourself like going to other websites and stuff like that? It's everything, like anything you could possibly imagine. Other websites, YouTube, like other like st- stuff that doesn't make that that not related to the uh, to the task at hand. Okay, so what I do, and I've said this a million times, is I have this weird thing where I always like doesn't matter what my work is, whether I like it or not. I'm always like, man, I wish I wasn't working, <laughs> or at least that's what my internal monologue always says. So what I do is I play a show on in the background. On one of my monitors, I have two monitors. On one of my monitors, I have the show playing all the time. Uh, and it, it sort of like tells me, tells my brain like, oh, you're working, but you're kind of like working in front of the TV. So it's a bit more fun. And it kind of like simmers that down. 
What I've learned, though, beyond that is that it being there is actually something a little bit different. So there's a couple of different things. One, I do a show that I don't have to constantly change. So something like YouTube doesn't really work for me unless it's long form content, because I don't if I have to start clicking in and messing with the player, then I get distracted. So what I'll do is I'll tune into a show that I that I know I've I've seen a million times I don't need to watch. And I place that full screen or half screen on my other monitor. It just being there gives me the normal benefits, but it forces my work to be on my primary monitor. What that does for me is it doesn't allow me to have, say, a full monitor or half of this monitor and half of the primary monitor uh, filled with distracting things. And so now all I have to look at is a show I've seen a million times and all my work. And what I end up doing is I just end up powering, uh, end up like powering through a piece of my work and then being like, oh, I have to get this done. And then I, when I look back over at the show, cause I'll glance at it every now and then I'm like, whoa, we're done like the first season again. When I just started it, you know, today or whatever, depending on the length of the show, of course, when I just started it today. And for whatever reason, it not only does it like quell that mind thing of like, man, I wish I wasn't working right now in my head all the time, but it also, in terms of screen real estate physically forces me to have my work in every other square inch other than that show. Cause I don't want to cover up the show either. Like I find myself sometimes I will, and then I'll more inconveniently work <laughs> on my primary monitor. Like I'll cram everything in my primary monitor, which is obviously like a productivity. No, no, but it's forcing me to only look at my work or the show that I don't care about. Cause I've seen it a million times. So I don't know if that helps you at all. So, so for me, I'll, I'll try it again because I haven't tried it in a while. But for me, the problem is I, I'm not good at multitasking. So I usually can't listen to music with words or even podcasts, like definitely not podcasts while I work. Uh, so a show, it's possible that it could work, like a show that I've seen a million times. But it's also very possible that I, I'll get even more distracted. Like I, when I'm doing, especially when I'm doing some like serious development work, I, I turn off everything. Like I don't even have music on. It's just pure silence. Um, so that's why I'm hesitant to think that that's going to be a solution for me, but I'm sure it'll be a solution for many people out there. Like some people just need that noise to do work. I've seen many people do that. Like my, my wife does that. But, um, for me, I haven't been able to master that. I think that the key with that to, to, you know, to bring it into there is that I only can do it with a show that I don't care about. Even with a podcast, like I do listen to podcasts while I'm working. A lot of the time the work has to be uh, sort of data entry or I'm just like setting something up that I've already done a million times. And so the work is the thing I've done a million times and the podcast is what I'm actually paying attention to. It's like I can have like a sub you know, routine running where I'm watching something and then like a primary thing where I'm actually thinking. So there's like a thinking and then like a watching or whatever, or like, like a side set. And so with, if, if the work I'm doing is something, like I said, I've done a million times, it can run on that little side routine. And then my primary focus is on the podcast or on the YouTube video or on the episode that I'm watching. But if my uh, work requires me to think, I will have to pause that episode, yada, yada, which I'll do over and over again sometimes. But if it gets to the point where it's like, Jesus, I'm just like listening to like four seconds of the show and then I'm pausing over and over again, then I sort of flip it where I turn it on to something I've seen a billion times, don't care about it. And then that goes into my side, side thoughts where I'm not even really listening to it and I thought for me personally that it was the noise. And so I started like watching 
or listening to like listening to let's say podcasts that I really liked. The problem is the podcasts I really like were rather informative, and I want to rehear them. So now, now I'm like listening to it again, and it's taking over that primary routine or whatever in my head. So I have to watch something that I know is like it's available on Netflix. You know, it's not going anywhere anytime soon, or I have it on Blu-ray or whatever, and I just have it, and I know it's not going anywhere, and I can always rewind, and I can always go back, and I don't, I'm not getting anything out of it but entertainment, so it is kind of, like, irrelevant, and when I walk away from the desk, I'm not going to continue to watch it. It has to be, like, so second nature that it goes beyond just the noise factor. I don't know if that's crazy, (laughs) but that's how I do it. So that, I don't know if that helps you like to like niche it down so you can like try that again. But yeah, that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to find something that I don't care about that I've seen a million times. I think that I, I, I don't know if I've done that before, uh, but I'll definitely give it a shot. And next time that you ask me this question, like you said, you were going to, I'll I'll give an update on that. Cool. Well, on to the second segment then uh, to move this episode along. And this is uh, – so there's two more segments in this. So we've already given a bunch of different uh, tips for balancing the various tasks that junior developers and other developers typically have to handle. But there's sort of two big uh, items on that list. And so I'll kind of touch on them uh, more specifically. And that is – the first one is managing your learning time. So the time you're spent learning new skills. And then also managing your job application time. So obviously applying for jobs and learning new things applies to all type of developers, senior developers through junior developers. However, junior developers are new to literally learning the, the, the programming and new to applying for a job. If you're a senior dev, chances are you've applied for a job. Ch- again, chances are you've applied for a job or you've been freelancing and you understand the general ins and outs of the employment of this particular industry. And also you're a senior dev. So you've learned a lot. So you actually have a lot of learning skill behind you. So. We'll focus on these two things. The first one being manage your learning time. So the first sort of subsection here is a is a bit of a pitfall, and we've talked about this a million times, and that is tutorial hell. That is something like as if you're just constantly watching YouTube videos or reading guides and documentation, and you're just doing that for days or even months at a time, and you're not actually building or coding or working with anything, doing a job, applying nothing. Every single time you finish learning something from a video or from a piece of documentation, another tutorial pops up in the suggested or another idea pops in your head where you're like, I actually don't understand this. And then you start reading that. I'm going to tell you right now, you will never finish learning about anything you will never run out of tutorials because a things are things like new frameworks and such are being released, new methods of stuff are coming out, new browser versions are coming out, even like the base vanilla JavaScript is getting new ES versions every now and then. And so you're never going to run out of ways to do things. You're never going to run out of different problems. You're never going to run out of tutorials is basically the the point here. And so don't get stuck only watching videos and reading stuff. Don't get stuck in tutorial hell. Actually remember to code something up. Go and create something. If you're trying to get into more of the project management side of things, go and like manage a little project, like do a little wireframe, this and that, whatever. Whatever part of the procedure that you are trying to learn, try to not get stuck in tutorial hell. Tutorials are very helpful and they absolutely have their place and documentation obviously has its place. Do not get stuck in tutorial hell because it is a difficult thing to get out of. It's literal hell. It's literally hell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and the thing is, is like, I'm going to say something kind of extreme right now, but if you go a day, let's let's say you're learning a new topic like React and you fill an entire day with just tutorials 
you're already stuck in tutorial hell. That's just one day. If you're just learning just concepts in React for the full day, what what you need to do, and I, I, I I'm, I'm, this doesn't work for everyone. I, I want to say like every every pretense, everything that we say right now doesn't is not going to work for everyone. There might be some people that have photographic memory that might be able to take a tutorial, watch it fully for a week, and then recreate everything logically and stuff like that with it. Sure. I fully accept that that is a real thing. But for most people, the people that I've talked to, the people that I have mentored, you need to be building something alongside the tutorial. You need to go into the tutorial with the purpose of figuring out how to do something because you want to do it for your job, for yourself, whatever. So if you're looking for a tutorial on React, then in the background, are you building a React project that's going to benefit from this tutorial? That should be what you should be doing. And then when you go through that day of learning React, I mean, obviously it might, it'll take you longer, but if that, that full day, while you're learning it, you learn a concept like conditional rendering, go and implement that concept immediately, as fast as you can, coding yourself into your project. You will get so much more out of the tutorial that it's going to push you out of tutorial hell so quickly because as you learn more, and as you get that information, you're going to notice you're going to go to tutorials less. You're going to be like, oh, I want to really build this out. And you're going to struggle and you're going to be like, okay, I can't figure out this, you know, looping thing. And then you're going to go back to the tutorial to figure out how to figure out that looping thing. And that cadence of struggling, figuring stuff out, going to watch the video, coming back, struggling, figuring stuff out is such a huge boost in the way you're going to be learning and the way you're going to be developing in the future, because that's the cadence that I work with. Like I go into a task knowing that I can solve most of it, but there's certain things that I'm not going to be able to do. And I, when I get to those things, I try to solve them. When I can't, I go look for solutions through tutorials, YouTube videos, guides, libraries, whatever. And I implement those solutions going back and forth between the tutorial and the actual work project. Like this is in real life work. So when you're doing it through the tutorial, like through when you're learning as a junior developer, try to apply that same technique and you're going to see that you're going to be way more invested in the tutorial because you're actually going to have a reason to use the, t the stuff that you're going to be learning. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a it's almost like a slippery slope, really, uh, tutorial hell. It I think it almost stems from people thinking like, well, in class, I constantly sit there. But if you use Mike's example with like the real world, you may building a project versus or and rather using a tutorial to help you through the hardships. It's almost like going to school and then doing the homework. Um, a lot of people will like skip the homework because it's like, oh, like, that, like you know, to hell with this. I'll literally just watch the tutorials. But <laughs> then you're not getting the homework part. You're not getting the application part. You're not going to remember a lot of the concepts. You're going to have to keep revisiting stuff. So try to, you know, if you really want to try to stick to self-learning on a traditional school basis, remember that you doing the project is sort of the homework and the homework and the, 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 the teaching slash the class, which is on YouTube or whatever, is using them together is still important. Next thing on the list here is don't get stuck and not move on. So if you get stuck on a topic and you just can't make any headway in figuring it out, uh, you just, a lot of people will just get stuck. Like they will constantly research it. They'll keep looking it up. They'll keep doing this. And this, this tip goes for junior developers as much as it does for senior developers, as well as it does for any, really any project out there that it's not even in tech. 
So I have a obviously a tech page slash web development example here, though. So if you make a web page and the web page needs to have just at a high level, a nav bar. So there's one, a nav bar, an embedded video and a collection of written content with photos. So let's just say the three things you have your con, your nav bar, your embedded video and your content. And you get stuck on embedding the video. So you, you're, let's just say you're doing these tasks in order. You've done the nav bar. There's one of three and you're stuck on embedding the video and you're just trying for days and days and days. And you just, for whatever reason, you can't get this, you can't get this video to work. You're just sitting there with one, like I said, of the three tasks done and one in progress. Now, that's not all that great, especially if the deadline is coming up. A better idea instead of sitting there beating your head against the wall effectively is to do the first task, the nav bar, try for a while the second task, realize you're really, really stuck, try some ways to get out of it, like looking at tutorials or whatever, realize, holy crap, I'm still really stuck, skipping that and going on to the third thing. Now, hopefully the third thing in this particular example does not get you caught up. For the sake of this example, we'll say it doesn't. Now, if you think about it, you're done 66-ish percent of the actual project. You've done two of the three uh, parts of this project. Doing the third part is going to raise your confidence. It's going to it's going to be another piece that's done, right? And now you're going to have just the rest of your time until deadline grinding away on this particular problem. You also might actually get some ideas while implementing that third part where you're like, oh, this is probably it. I forgot to close the tag or whatever it is. You might get the idea in that other part. In addition, you might also be at this point, if you're really stuck, waiting on someone. So if you have a mentor or someone that you you ask for help, you might message them. They might be in a different time zone or they might just be busy and they might not get back to you right away. So instead of you sitting there and just trying, 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 trying to get this embedded video to work, you could leave. They might message you the next day. So now you got a whole day or half day, whatever is remaining of your day to work on the, the content part. Maybe you finish the content part. Now, when the person asks, you're less stressed. You're like, man, I'm done. You know, everything but this. Isn't that so much better than saying, I have so much left to do and I'm just really, really stuck. Of course, you want to get as much done as you can. Try to check off as many boxes as you can in this particular instance. And therefore, don't get stuck and not move on because it's just going it, to sometimes you're just you need some help or sometimes you need to move on. Or sometimes your confidence has been shattered by the fact that you're stuck and you need to move on to something else and then come back and the idea will come to you or, you know, you will get a better idea of who to ask for help or maybe the person will message you back. Right. And. I like to use kind of a rule of thumb on this one uh, because you can get stuck for a long time and you can keep plowing through like Matt was saying. If you're stuck on on something for like – as a junior developer, it's going to be a little bit longer than senior developer and stuff like that. But as a junior developer, if you're stuck on something for three hours, just on one thing for three hours, let's say that as an arbitrary rule, try to move on to something else. Give yourself, give yourself that rule. It doesn't have to be three hours. I'm just giving you an example. Give yourself that rule because otherwise you're going to spend, you're going to waste days and days sometimes. And it's going to, it's going to affect you mentally a lot because you're going to, that's when the imposter syndrome starts to set in. But really what you could be doing is working on something else that's also going to benefit the project or whatever you're working on. And I guarantee you at the same time in your off time, when you're showering, when you're walking, you're going to have, thoughts on the stuff that you're stuck with and you're going to have you're not going to think of maybe of a solution right away but you're going to think of another thing to try that's how it always is for me is like i'll just be walking and all of a sudden you know what i haven't googled this or i haven't you know tried this and i'll go and i'll try it i'll give it you know a couple minutes uh 
or like an hour, another hour trying the new thing that I wanted to try. And if I run into the same roadblock, I'll do it again. I'll come back, try to try to work on something else a little bit. And again, on my off time, I'll have that thought going on in my head of how am I going to how am I going to attempt this again? Right. Not a solution every time, but how am I going to attempt it? Yeah, coming back and doing it like coming back and going coming back and, and coming at it with renewed eyes is something I'm trying to say. And I just couldn't. Is, is like such a, a critical thing. And, and also, if you think about this, I'll just compare this to traditional school again as well, is you can't go to the teacher, you're doing a test, you can't go to the teacher and be like, well, it was a three-hour test and I spent two hours on the second question. You got to do the rest of it and then who cares about that second question in the grand scheme? So really, like, you know, don't just keep hitting your head off the wall, you know, figuratively and, and just move on if you, if, you, if, you, if you need to. Just move on if you need to. Uh, and also don't learn all at once. The third, the third point here, I believe, I believe it's the third point. Uh, don't learn it all at once. So, uh, there are way too many perspectives of web development. There's backend, there's front end, there's full stack, there's DevOps if you want to get into there too. And there's a way other, there's a bunch more different perspectives and positions and all kinds of different skill sets. You can't learn all that all at once. And let alone inside of those perspectives, there's a whole bunch of, different things. So you want to become a developer like full stack. There's PHP, there's Tailwind, there's JavaScript, there's Svelte, and there's a whole bunch more. There's too much to learn just in one perspective. And there's a bunch of different perspectives in this industry. Choose a skill, learn and practice it. One way to manage this is to choose a framework. So say you choose Svelte, go to build a web page with it. And if it bumps into other skills, like you need a database or something, don't be afraid to learn the very basics just to get that database running so you can continue your project or the thing you're working on. But if it starts becoming like, well, pick up the manual, read 300 pages of uh, database creation and, and no, okay. Now it's done too far. Maybe you need to tweak your project so that you're learning Svelte again. But b- bumping up against those other skills is a good way to sort of slowly understand the rest of the parts of the industry. Might pique some interest where you're like, hey, I didn't mind that database stuff. Maybe I'll read more about that. But do that later. Focus primarily on the, uh, in this particular example, on the Svelte learning. And then you can, like I said, bump up and do some little secondary objectives as you go um, through your learning, whatever it is you're doing, working on a portfolio project or building some sort of passion project. Uh, and now for the, the last segment, actually, so this is a totally different segment. This is actually going to be managing your job application time. So this is the stuff where the, the, the tips and tricks, if you will, of actually applying for a job and managing the time. Because as we know, it's like it, things have gone beyond just like write out a resume and send it out everywhere. Things have gone to like, I don't know, La La Land, which Mike and I have talked about, where it's like, take home tests and three interviews or five interviews and talk to this person and check with that guy and like do this. And now we got to do this thing and go to this in-person interview. Now do a teleconference and it's out of control. So some time management skills need to be practiced in in this. I mean, not all companies are like this. Everyone's hiring procedure is different. So let's go. Prioritize jobs, the actual jobs themselves, based on your preferences. So something like the title slash the position, maybe it's the company, maybe it's the uh, the the salary, uh, whatever it is. Maybe there's certain benefits, like oh, I really want medical, whatever. Prioritize the jobs because the thing is. You have to look at each job application like a task. And like we said earlier in the episode, prioritization is very important. You don't want to just say, I'm just going to, you know, send out applications everywhere. That's great. And if you have enough time to do that and you have the capacity to do that, that's great. But some might fall through the cracks. So prioritizing forces you to, at the very least, apply to the ones that mean the most to you and hopefully get one of those. 
Also, don't over apply. You know, some of these application processes can take days to get through, sometimes weeks. And taking on too many will inevitably lessen the quality of each one. If you're rushing from interview to interview to interview one day, and then the very next day you have some sort of assignment that was given to you from some other thing you did last week, your assignment's going to suffer. So don't take on too much. Try to manage that a little bit and realize, hey, this particular company, if I get the first interview, there's going to be four more. So I have to manage that into my time management. I have to make sure that I have the time to do it because they're probably going to give me a project to do at home as well. And so don't get caught in three companies to do the same procedure. Now you got 15 interviews and like four projects. It, like it should be chaos. So don't, don't do that. Also, this is a job application procedure. Don't or try not to. And it's hard. Don't try to take anything personally. Remember that you may get rejected outright by a machine and not even a person. So it's one thing to take. Uh, an in-person interview where the interviewer was rude or something. It's one thing to take that personally. Maybe that's a little more justified, but taking it personally saying like, Hey, like they're not even calling me for an interview. It could be something as, as stupid as they don't like your header. It could be something as stupid as like, Oh, they're saying, you know, they don't have 15 years with Svelte, even though Svelte hasn't been around for 15 years. They don't have 15 years of Svelte experience. It's like, well, of course, <laughs> like, like you're, you're, you're not lying on the resume. And they're just like rejecting you. So remember that sometimes it's, it, it's either just a person that's doing it based on a template where they don't have any opinion of it. They're just like header, bad header, get out of here, bad header, get out of here. It could even be just an AI, a machine that says like, oh, they don't have the word programming in their resume. Reject all the ones that don't have that in their resume, stuff like that. Also, don't get discouraged. So if you apply for a, a dream job and you don't get called up, but the listing is still there or it gets relisted, just apply again. I know a few, I know quite a few people that have actually applied four, five, six, seven, eight times, even gotten to the point where they've gotten to like, let's say interview one and then they failed and then the job goes back up because the, they never found a candidate and they apply again and apply again and apply again. Don't, don't take the job application procedure as personal. The only time you really should take it as personal is if it's like a small business where you're literally like going to the business and talking to the one other person that works there. Then it's more of a it's a more not like a really personal relationship, but it's a more personal relationship because you're building with someone or you're, or you're, you're talking with someone rather. But when you're talking to a machine who, you know, is trying to get you into a job of this huge building full of like a thousand people. Uh, it's not a personal thing. So don't feel like don't feel as if you are. Uh, annoying them by constantly applying. Just apply and like, what are they going to do? Say no. They already said no because you're not there. So who cares? Um, also invest uh, extra time wisely. So if you want to uh, get a very particular job and it comes up on the job board, uh, you know, feel free to push some other job applications down to the bottom of the pile of your priority and analyze and research that particular job that you want uh, more than you would normally to get an edge in the interview. Now, this may push out some other jobs uh, where you had where you would have normally applied, right? That those jobs that were pushed to the bottom of the priority list may get absolutely cut completely. You just didn't have time, didn't make the deadline, whatever. So do invest this time wisely due to the fact that you are obviously potentially cutting some job applications. But if you really want that job, you may just be like, hmm, you know, I do want the edge here. I can spare the time. Let's go for it. Uh, acknowledge as well that this is a grind. So that's not to say that you should be doing this for, you know, 90 hours a day or something like that. Acknowledge that it's a grind. It is annoying and it is slow and, you know, don't go into it expecting to have a, a great time. I know that some people are recruiters and they really like the job, uh, 
recruiting, I guess, procedure. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people are in the field to do the field. They're not in the field to be like, I really hope I get some great resume writing experience. Like no one does that. So or very, very, very few people do that, I should say. So just acknowledge that, you know, chances are for you, it's going to be grind and it's not going to be a fun experience and kind of prepare yourself in that way. Uh, also, uh, try multiple methods. So, I, you know, I'm talking a lot about going to a job board and constantly, uh, constantly applying, but there's a bunch of other different ways to do things. You can leverage colleagues and friends to get a foot in the door if they work in a place that you might be interested in. Uh, you can use your connections from people in the field. So, you know, people that are less you don't have a personal relationship with. So maybe someone on social media or some sort of connection in the field where you're like, Hey, you know, doesn't your, you know, doesn't my cousin's uncle's brother have a job there? Maybe I could talk to him. I don't know him personally, but I have my foot in the door with him. And then maybe he can get me a foot in the door with the company, that type of thing. Uh, and also recruitment agencies. I mean, some people hate recruitment agencies. Some people swear by them. Realistically, just do your research. And if you like a particular recruitment agency, do you think that their services are worth it? Cause they do generally cost money. Uh, not always, but they generally do cost money. Maybe they, you know, maybe you're just horrible at resume writing. You're not going to put in two or 300 hours into learning how to, you know, write better resumes or something. I don't know why it would take that long, but you're not going to put in that time. And you think that the, the, the price of the recruitment agency is worth it. Then maybe it's, it's time to go to one of them. And if they can handle it for you and broker the deal and maybe even negotiate salary or whatever that recruitment agency does in their list of services, um, Maybe it's worth doing that. So just try different methods. Don't just stick with one. Don't just stick with the sort of the traditional, or at least what I think is traditional is go to a, go to a job board, find the job, apply, and then go to the next job board, apply, go to the next job, like either other job boards and other listings, obviously in the same job board. That's just sort of how I would do it. Uh, but don't be afraid to do other methods. Don't just like pigeonhole yourself and you yourself might do better in one of these other things. You might not write well. And you might not portray yourself well in writing, but if you get a, a foot in the door and you're like, well, yeah, like, you know, you're talking, 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 and then you're like, yeah, but I built, you know, some crazy project. Then a the person might be like, wait a second, you're the guy behind that? Hey, I built, like, I used that thing. Now you're in, right? Now you got an edge and you didn't portray yourself well on paper, but you portrayed yourself better in person with talking to the person. So try different methods and see which is right for you. Yep. That's, I mean, all the, all those, all that advice is key. I think one thing I'd add, and it kind of supports what you're, what you were saying is just be consistent. So you have like your first point, uh, prioritize jobs based on preference, apply, don't apply to too many jobs. I think that's key to understand. And not only that, just apply as much as you can on a daily or weekly basis, but keep it manageable to the point where you're not going to burn out. It's much better to apply to one job a day than 10 jobs on Wednesday, all of a sudden, and then not be able to do anything on Thursday, Friday, because you're just burnt out and you're pissed. And that I guarantee you that one day that you applied to all those jobs, the effort and the quality of your applications is going to be lower than if you just applied one a day, where you just manage your time, where you're like, I have an hour of time right now, I'm going to try to do a really good application. And I'm going to apply to that job. And then after that, I'm going to move on to other things that are going to help me in the job process. So Treating your if you if you're completely unemployed and you're trying to get a, your first developer job, treating your day as a work day and trying to get into different you know get into a, a company is a great way to think about it as well. 
where you can, you know, one hour a day is for applications and then two hours is for building skills, three hours is for networking. You know what I mean? Like break up your day so that nothing becomes monotonous. Because if you have, again, if you're applying to 10 jobs a day, you're going to burn out. It's such a tedious process at this point. Like filling in those applications is so annoying. And especially the, the ridiculousness of giving them a resume and then filling in all the information from the resume line by line into their application process. And then potentially having to do a cover letter on top of that, that explains your resume, like, or explains why you want a job, which is money. But like, I don't know why people even want cover letters regardless doing that. Do people read them? Like, like that's the thing I hate about them is I used to always say doing a cover letter when we were applying to co-op jobs in particular, because I always thought to myself, no one's like, if, if people are saying, make sure your resume is really brief so they don't have to read it. It's like, but yet they want a letter. I don't know if they use the letter in the algorithm, like for larger corporations, they might use a letter for more keyword searches, um, reading them. I'm sure there's some people that do, like, I, I'm not saying that no one reads them, but obviously we're generalizing jobs. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm, every, not every sure. like, I, I'm not sure why you would need to read a letter. Um, but anyway, like it, it's super common at this point to have a cover letter for every job. And it's super important to tailor that cover letter for the job application so that the keywords match so that, you know, if you're applying for a, a view job, you're not putting a bunch of react stuff in there. You're putting view stuff, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's really frustrating to do all that and just like have that grind process grind you down. That's why I think it's really important to kind of do something that's maintainable throughout your day. And sometimes it's really important to do the stuff that you find fun in the process. So if you're having a really bad day and you just hate applying, but you're really like working on your, you know, Svelte project or your React project, don't apply that day. Like as much as it's great to have that, but you need to make sure that you can remain consistent throughout the whole process rather than just that one day of, again, back to that whole productivity hell of just having a million tasks. It's it's not about that million tasks. It's about the end goal. And if you're consistent with your with your effort on a daily basis rather than your you know completion of tasks, you're going to make it. Like you're just going to make it. It's just – it is a – a hundred percent, in my opinion. You just have to remain that consistent. And it might be very difficult at some points because it might be six months down the line. It might be a year down the line of that consistency that's going to get, get there for you. But it's going to be much different than that one, that one person that, you know, has a sporadic moment of a week of just being super amped up and applying for a hundred jobs and then not doing anything for three weeks or a month after because they burnt out and that like that that's a normal thing i've seen that happen and then they say that the industry is garbage and they they're not going to get into it yeah it's garbage in a lot of senses but if you put a week of effort into it and expect some results it's probably not going you're not going to get them it it's all about those incremental victories and that small amount of like that time that you can put in every single day like consistency is king i i've seen it time and time again like with the Twitter account that we're building out with the podcast, the podcast is three years old. It's over three years now. You think we were successful at the beginning? I don't know how successful we are now, but like we've definitely built something here. Right. But it took every week, like every single week we recorded the podcast every single week. We would do show notes for the podcast. Every single week you would edit the pod, like literally every single week, barring a couple of like little Christmas weeks. Where we didn't record. 
Yeah, like family emergencies a couple of times or whatever, yeah. like, you know, short of short of like like outside circumstances. Yeah. It's been three years. Okay. It's pretty nuts. And it's only now starting to really bear fruit and have, you know, we've gotten our sponsor deals, like just to be perfectly frank with everyone, like it's it's only now starting to really pay off. So yeah, the job application process is not probably not going to be a three-year deal. Like don't get scared about that. I'm just giving you an example. But it is that consistency that gets you there. That's the only thing that can get you there. Another thing too is that clearly what we're talking about is a problem. So what I mean by that is there's a problem in the grindiness and the annoyingness of applying to jobs. And so there's a business out there that is willing – and this sounds like a sponsor spot, but it isn't. There's a business out there that is obviously willing to remedy that problem. And that type of business is a recruitment agency, like I said. A lot of people will say always say stay away from recruiters, stay away from recruitment agencies. Some of them can be very scammy. Some of them can be very annoying. Some of them might charge too much. But remember that there's a reason why they exist, and that is this process is annoying. It is annoying. And so maybe the recruitment process is quite literally that you – you go to them, you have a meeting with them, you give them your documentation, this and that, and they do all the applications for you. Maybe that's what happens. And then they just call you when there's an interview. If that's if that's something you can afford, if that's something you're willing to do, if that's something that works for you and you're happy with, with what their service is doing, don't be afraid to do that. You might be working somewhere else and be like, man, I, I'm not spending my evenings, you know, doing this. I hate this. This is the worst thing ever. Like, I'm not, I'm just not going to do this. Fair enough. There's a solution there. It's a problem for a lot of people. Applying is a pain. So, of course, it's the same thing with taxes. Of course, there's a bunch of places that do taxes because taxes are a pain to freaking file. And I realize there's some controversy around that, yada, yada. I'm not going to get into that. But wherever there's a problem, there's almost always a business to solve said problem. There's a reason why there's car mechanics. Not everyone can just fix their car. You know, there's not not everyone can just change their oil. It's maybe changing oil is super simple, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get someone else to do it. That's just the way it is, right? I could say, oh, you could save hundreds of dollars and I can also pay hundreds of dollars and I don't care. So treat, you could, you can treat a job hunt like that. You can say, okay, I'm willing to throw some money at this. Let's just get this over with. And of course, it'll lessen the grind and it might be a great experience for you. But remains to be seen. Do your research. Make sure your recruiter slash recruitment agency is good. Make sure that they're you know, not scammy, make sure that they're actually trying to get you good jobs. They have your best interests in mind. And if that's the case and you have the money, why not? Right. So you can always, you can almost always, you can pay to skip something. And this is one thing that you could potentially not fully skip, but get a lot of help with. Well, that concludes all my tips and tricks uh, at this point for time management for junior developers. Also applies to other developers. We had uh, we were having a conversation before the show, Mike and I were, about whether this should be tailored for junior devs. Like, I tailored the show for junior devs, but like, we're like, hmm, like, do we like, we don't want to have all our episodes just be about junior devs. Uh, so, I mean, if you're not a junior dev and you got some good tips out of here, please let us know. And uh, if you are a junior dev and you got some good tips out of here or have some other uh, uh, comments, uh, or anyone has any comments or whatever, please let us know. And if you want to support episodes like this, remember that we are on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. Many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Sean from RabbitWorks. Er, no, whoa, whoa, wrong. Ryan Getchell, got it in my head here. We have a revised list. Ryan Getchell from Blue Black Digital <laughs> via blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Self-Made Web Designer via selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com. DL Ford from dlford.io. Pip Hash Astronaut 
Nine Block Media via NineBlockMedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via MCWebStudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via YesWeb.se. And Jeff from Twitter via at, this is a new handle, the Jeff McHale, the Jeff McHale, there are, uh, what do you call it? Underscores between the words, between the Jeff and McHale. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And we are signing off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.